welcome to another excellent episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, and I'm here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey there. And Billy Holiday. Hello. Uh, this week, we're going to go back to the Super Nintendo for Ghoul Patrol. But before we do that, the same thing we do every week. Jeremy, what have you been playing since last time? Uh, you know, I, I really haven't been playing too much. And I don't want to make this into yet another podcast where I talk about playing The Division again, because that's that's really about all I've been doing. Me and Billy have been, uh, we've, we've maxed our level. We're now trying to to get our gear up to snuff so we can do the uh, raids, or as the game calls them, the incursions. Um, but uh, that's really about it. It's not very exciting. And, you know, it's you're, you're just killing things and, and hoping that, that better stuff drops. Um, but what I think we would like to talk about this time is is maybe a game that none of us are actually going to get to play. Ugh. And I know uh, Billy Holiday has been waiting for this one uh, since, you know, it was announced two years ago. And that is the Zelda uh, NX, or Zelda Wii U, I'm sorry, which is no, now it, being it, delayed. No, <laughs> you don't have to call it the Zelda Wii U anymore. The mask no, has fell off. Yes. It's and, not uh, masquerading any longer as a, as as the title that would cement why I purchased this system. Uh, oh, it's ruined my week, my whole well, it week. Was, uh, if anybody doesn't know, it was originally uh, scheduled to come out this holiday season for the Wii U, but it has now been delayed to um, to the Nintendo NX launch next March. So, Billy, why don't you why don't you just go ahead with that one? I'll tell you <laughs> right here on right here on the spot, and I'll start it by saying I am a diehard Nintendo fan. I have defended that I've purchased all their shit over the years. I've defended <laughs> this system. I defended that Wii when it came out, uh, and and I enjoyed it. I knew I was not playing on a good system by far, but it had some enjoyable games. And the Wii U, I jumped I jumped right in. I figured it was safe. It was all right. I was going to get my... And I'm fine. I'm fine with the... When you buy a Nintendo console, you're buying it for that those core first-party Nintendo titles. And that's fine. I've got my Smash Brothers. I got a, you know... I got my Mario Kart. Uh, another Pikmin. Uh, I'm all right. Hey, hey and Wii U gave us Mario Maker, which might be the best Nintendo property ever. That's it, and Mario Maker, which all excellent games. But, but you got to have a Zelda title. You got to have a Zelda title in there. And I don't know of a time where Zelda has come at the end of the cycle of a system besides Twilight Princess. So this is two goddamn times in a row they're doing this to us. Well, and to be fair, Billy, Twilight Princess was the second game on the GameCube because Wind Waker was originally on the GameCube first. So they you know, did have a Zelda game on the on the GameCube that was only on the GameCube. And then they did the same thing they're doing right now with Twilight Princess. Look at this. We got we got Mr. Corporate Shield here trying to <laughs> trying to patch it up. But no, it's just this game, if I recall correctly, this was something that was supposed to be around in 2015. And then, you know, it, it got moved to 2016. You know, they want to want to put out a good game. They don't want to put out a game that's, you know, that's half-assed. And that's fine. Uh, that's fine. And I, I'm fully confident that they will put out another excellent Zelda title. But 2017 now, that, March 2017, that's a whole other year. And, and for a system that I don't have a, a, a clue about at all, a system they're not even going to talk about at E3, 
uh, pretty much this uh, this thing is just going to show up on the shelf, and when you hook it up at home, that's when you're finally going to find out something about it at all. And <laughs> <laughs> what's in the box? What's in this fucking box? That we get? We're going to find gonna... out. You'll find out March 2017. It's but, just going to be a, a gray box that they they put on the shelf for like 400 bucks, and just like, well, you you figure out what what it is. Go a bunch of random it. wires and. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know why I'm so angry. You know what dumbass is going to be there to buy it. I am. Oh yeah, day I'm one. I'm going to be there. I'm going to pre-order it probably. Uh, and if it doesn't get pushed back again, I'll be playing it in March. Maybe I'll be playing a Zelda game. Maybe I won't. I think Jeremy pointed out to me that uh, that the release date now that once read March 2017 just says 2017, and that's uh, that, that's a wide range. But it's just it, it can be exhausting being a Nintendo fan. I feel like it's just like you're strapped to a machine that every few months just kicks you right square in the ass. Uh, <laughs> but every now and then it also gives you a, a little treat. Like it pops a little treat in your mouth. Uh, yeah, and just the, well, the machine switched into overdrive right now. And I'm going to keep buying this shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I could talk for a half hour about how angry I am, but uh, I'm going to keep buying this shit every single time. And I think that's why I'm so angry. I think I'm more angry with myself than I am with Nintendo. But I think they've put themselves in a spot now to where uh, this Zelda game is going to reach levels uh, of weight, uh, of waiting you're putting in, where if it would have been an excellent game to, uh, last year, if it would have been an excellent game this year, once you put in a two-year wait, it's going to have to be a phenomenal game. Well, and it's going to have to sell that system. It's going to have to yeah. make anyone that buys it and the NX think this could not have been done on the Wii U properly. Yeah, they have a. They are going to release it for the Wii U, uh, which is arguably what they're going to show at E3 instead of showing the new system. But that means that there's something that's going to be on the NX version that's better, or they really don't have anything to push this NX out with, and they just want to get it on the shelf. So they're going to put out special versions of you know. I know they're going to also do Mario Maker and Smash Brothers and some other Nintendo mm. properties. Uh, that I think they're just going to straight up transfer, like, you know, hey, here's a slightly better version of the same game. Not even like, oh, here's Super Smash Brothers Ultra Turbo Edition. It's just going to be Super Smash Brothers NX. It'll be the same that game that we already got. Up too. Oh, I think it's, it's even crazier because the PlayStation Neo or, or PlayStation 4K will be out either the end of this year or early next year. And that will be completely uh, compatible with with everything. I mean, that's everything. It's the same store, the same games. It's just it will be a better version of the PlayStation Four and can take advantage of better graphics and something. It'll be like the original PlayStation Four is maybe like medium or low settings for a game, where PlayStation Four uh, K will just be games that can go up to a higher setting, uh, better graphics, uh, maybe more split screen, uh, like four player split screen instead of two player split screen. But it'll still work with all of that. But you know Nintendo is going to make you buy those same games that you bought for the Wii U over again. That's just you, how they are. Those brat bastards. You know what they're going to do? They're going to be. Uh, they're going to act like they're doing you a favor. They're like, oh, yeah, you already bought this game. To show our thanks. No, we're not going to let you just have this game again that you just purchased. No, we're not even going to let you have it real cheap. We'll give you about $5 off. <laughs> <laughs> the GameSpot method of trading. It's we're very gonna nice. We're going to give you about $5 off of it to... To thank you for your loyalty. <laughs> and Nintendo people, they, Nintendo fans will eat it up. They will buy those games all over again. Hell, I'll probably do it myself. But uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be really interesting next uh, early next year when, when that system launches. 
or really interesting when it doesn't launch in March and gets pushed back to questionable 2017. Uh, Isn't isn't March a strange time, though? I mean, the holiday season is over. It's just such a... Well, that's usually when handhelds launch. Handhelds have always launched early in the year, and if you're a console, you launch, you know, around Christmas time, which is... I was talking to Jeremy before this, and I would put money on it that, that Nintendo was actually going to launch the NX around Christmas this year. But for whatever reason, you know, they, they say they want to have a, a really good launch lineup to, to really sell this system to people like they couldn't do with the Wii U. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe that's why they pushed it back. Maybe they had hardware issues. But I would I would still put money on it that, that they were actually going to release that this Christmas. Well, they're not they're not pushing it back because they're hard at work on Zelda. I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey, that's the you know, we'll see in a few weeks. That is the only game that they are going to demo at E3. So uh, maybe maybe we'll get to see a, a little bit of what's coming next year. Well, the other good news I just got here is there's apparently a, a new PlayStation 4. So there's a good reason I didn't buy one yet. I'll have to wait for the next version. That way I, I won't feel like such a <laughs> fool it. for not buying it now. I'm doing it. I'm holding off to wait for the next technology. Well, that's okay because I have a lot to do until I get this PS4 because we continue to find new games every two weeks to talk about. And this week, it's Ghoul Patrol for the Super Nintendo. talk about ghoul patrol we have to talk about the game that it's kind of a sequel to first uh at least to mention what it is because more people will know it i think more people know zombies ate my neighbors than have ever heard of ghoul patrol i certainly had never heard of ghoul patrol before jeremy wanted to do this and someone explained zombies ate my neighbors very quickly well zombies ate my neighbors was just a a really simple quick action kind of arcadey game uh, where you, it's a top-down game where you just run around and find neighbors. There's like, I don't know, seven or eight neighbors per stage. Find them before the monsters get them and go on to the next stage. That's that's basically it. Yeah, Sounds it, super it, simple, but it was really fun. Yeah, and it had a great presentation to it, great graphics, outstanding music, and, and, and it had a, a really good vibe going. It was it, it, it harkened back to a lot of the... Like a lot of the old 50s, 60s, 70s B horror type films, you know, with the every level had like a, a title that would flash up that kind of referenced one. And a lot of the enemies also. It had something it, it was it was there was just something about it. I mean, the overall style, like Billy said, the music, the graphics, uh, just the way it played, uh, it was you just wanted to play it more every time you played it. And it was one of my favorite games of all time. So when I heard that some somebody was bringing out a a sequel I was pretty excited. I mean that's it's not called Zombies Ate My Neighbors which was, I was like why why wouldn't they do that? It's not being published by Konami which is kind of weird. But I was ready to go. You know, I wanted more Zombies Ate My Neighbors and that's what Ghoul Patrol looked like it was going to be. Well, and it wasn't published by Konami because they did not want to do a sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors and even though uh, LucasArts was the company that that you know made the game. It, it wasn't owned by them. It was owned by Konami. So they took the the idea behind Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Apparently, they used a different development team or at least a different head. 
uh, of development and released Ghoul Patrol, uh, which is is very similar and and it's kind of a pseudo sequel because it definitely takes the the feel of the first game and and adds some things to it but it's also not as good as the original it's another example of someone taking all the parts of something and it and it still doesn't you know you can take all the parts to make a cake but if you don't mix it together right you just have this this mash oh this is a mash this is a big (laughs) old mash right here it's such it's such a bizarre thing i i have never encountered this where it, it looks like a game i enjoyed uh kind of sounds like it we'll talk about the sound as we go along this is the only time the sound is good is in this is when it rips off the original and and it has kind of the same basic premise and it plays a little bit like it it has all these things from a game i really loved one of my favorite super nintendo games also but man it's just a rough rough game well if you look at screenshots of it you know which i I saw the screenshots before the game ever came out and it's got you know there was something really colorful and vibrant about the original zombies ate my neighbors and you look at screenshots of this one and it looks really dark and and just overly shaded it 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 does not look anything like the original game besides being a top-down kind of shooter free force perspective um it just does not instantly ha- or have that instant charm that Zombies Ate My Neighbors had. That was like my first impression of it. I mean, I, that didn't ruin the game for me until I actually played it. But that was the very first thing I noticed. I was like, this just doesn't seem right. No, and, and I can if you you know, if you were looking at the magazines long ago and you saw this, yeah, it looks different, but at the same time, you know, it's got the same characters in there. Yeah, you can tell this is zombies ate my neighbors so i you would go in so many kids so many fans of the original had to go into this one blind just by you know just by looking at a few pictures of it and being yes this is going to be another awesome game and yeah i I don't know it is much darker and i think a lot of these levels are much more confined also you spend a lot of time just going through this, this one mansion or this big ass house each level and the first one, you know, it much brighter, uh, and that allowed for a lot more humor. Also, I mean, the game had a lot of, of good humor to it, the original. Uh, and yeah, and just more kind of expansive environments. And this one feels a lot more claustrophobic. Well, it's, it's the same kind of game, uh, again, as Zombies Ate My Neighbors, like we've said. So it's still a top-down action game. Uh, you, you run around and saving. It's ten uh, survivors per level after... Uh, Whatever the event was, I guess you go to a library, and of course there's a there's a book at some demons exhibit that says, here's a thing you can read, so you read it out loud, and all these demons come out and start attacking the world, and you're supposed to save everybody. Um, you know, that that's the story of the game. It's very exciting. Uh, but the, the story doesn't matter in a game like this, because again, Zombies in My Neighbors' story wasn't that exciting either. It was just fun. It was it. This, for some reason, it starts, when I started at the first few levels, the first couple screens i was like okay this is fine it's a little wonky in parts but i can i can still enjoy this it just it i got bored with it pretty quick i had <laughs> decided after the first you know the first you go through um a handful of the levels where you have to find 10 survivors and after you find it you find the portal that goes out of the level and then you go to the next level and find 10 survivors that are hidden in the level and then you find the portal and you go out and eventually you get to a boss uh after the first round of those and the first boss i was totally content just not playing any more of this game 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, think, I, yeah, that's that, I mean, that's the worst thing about it. It's just not fun. I mean, compared to the original Zombies Ate My Neighbors, where you're spending, you know, it, it feels like you need to get to these neighbors and, and get to them. And, you know, there's this kind of pace, a faster pace to the game. And this one, I, I didn't care if I saved these people. Uh, it was actually, uh, I preferred when they got killed because that meant that I didn't have to find some weird ass way to get to them because they were behind or in some other room that I couldn't quite get to. And every single one of these stages kind of, it's, it's more like a maze than what the, the original Zombies Ate My Neighbors stages were. Those were all, they were fairly open. They had some confined parts to them. But even the confined parts, you had multiple ways to get to the neighbors. Uh, it was very easy to figure out where those neighbors were and how to get to them. You had like a mini-map where they showed up on the mini-map. You don't get any of that in this one. It's just one big, very, just overly made maze uh, where you have to use your keys constantly. I'm sure we'll mention this eventually, but fuck the keys in this game uh, to to find them. And I just, I don't want to find them. They're just not fun to get to, and it felt more like a chore after a minute or two. Yeah, and, and, and after the visuals, you know, after the initial visuals and, you know, this gameplay aside, we're talking about the, the controls or something that really struck me because the first Zombies Ate My Neighbors very responsive controls, very fluid controls. You know, everything made sense. Uh, at all times, you, you knew what you were doing. On uh, this one, it is just, you know, I never got these controls down. And I don't think it's me. I don't, I don't think I'm the problem. Uh, there's, a, there's a jump, uh, which would have been excellent for some parts in, in Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Usually you had to rely on uh, trampoline, or some, trampoline or something like that. And this, there's a jump button. Uh, and that jump button, you know, the, the less you use it, the better. And there are times, uh, like I, I was discussing with you guys earlier, where this game wants you to make some, some pinpoint jumps. This game fools itself into thinking it's a platformer for a minute. And if you miss a jump, you know, it's, it's instant death. And you see just how poor the jump mechanic is at that point. There's a slide, uh, which, I mean, that's well and good. But the, the run on here. Is, is is bizarre and it's one of my least favorite things and only a handful of games do this where there, there's not like there's a button you hold down and you run there's not a run button like where you can go from standing still to running it seems like you pick up momentum so let's say you're walking to the right you'll speed up and then you're in a run which uh, which is poor because some enemies are are running to begin with and running after you and you can't get away from them because all you can do is just walk and by the time you've gotten into your run you're taking damage. Well, I think I think the other part of it is uh, that that makes that running bad is the way the mazes are set up where they're so narrow. Um, you know, Jeremy mentioned that you have to use your keys to get through doorways. The collision detection on the doorways is infuriating. It, oh. you, the doorways are just big enough for you to get through, essentially. Uh, and some enemies can't appear to fit through doors. But there are other times where you you know you're running from something. You're trying to make sure you you can get away from it before it you know does enough damage to you to knock you out finally and you'll get stuck in a door frame where you you know you're on the door you're trying to go through the door and if you're not exactly at the right set of pixels it will just stop you dead it doesn't bounce you back it doesn't do anything else you just don't go through the door and it it, it happened to me a lot there was a number of times i would get stuck between two enemies and be unable to do anything as it just bounced me back and forth and back and forth and and finally killed me uh which is is irritating Uh, because again it's all things i just couldn't get around there there was things in the way that didn't look like they should be in the way Collision detection all around is pretty bad. Yeah, and, and my pro tip for anyone playing this game is 
if you see those enemies, those enemies aren't that big of a deal. The biggest enemy in this game are those fucking doors because you will get stuck on one every single time and they will usually cause you to take a hit from some piece of shit enemy that has respawned yet again right behind you and has just floated right into you as you try to ever so slightly reposition yourself so that one pixel can get through that goddamn door and that oh god it it killed me every single time i get stuck on one of those stupid doors I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, while Jeremy is already in a fit here, I'm going to go ahead and throw <laughs> in, to get through these doors, you need keys. And you don't always have the amount of keys you need. In fact, sometimes it seems like there are not enough keys. Well, they're they're hidden in the levels. You go, you know, as you walk through the levels, you'll pick up the keys, and then you'll use them on the doors. But I think, I don't think there's enough keys for all the doors in most levels. Uh, I think you have to just kill enemies and randomly they'll drop a key as well. I don't know if that's a, a mechanic because they did give you enough keys and you went the wrong way, which there would be no way to know that ahead of time. Or if they just thought, yeah, no, there are ten doors and here's nine keys and you have to kill a bunch of guys to get another key at random. At random. Not even like a guy, you know, in Zelda, the the skeleton that's holding the key, you can see he has a key, so you know which skeleton to kill. This is this is just you kill enough guys till eventually they drop a key. That's infuriating. I, it's you're farming for keys half the time in this game. There are so many doors that are locked that you have to. I mean, literally every door requires a key. And the first couple of stages, it's not too bad. There's enough keys around that I didn't really pay attention to it. I had kind of forgotten about it, honestly, since I was a kid. But you get to that third stage, which is in like a, a motel or something, and it's again just a maze. But if you don't go the exact way it wants you to you will run out of keys in very, very quickly. And after that, you just have to start killing enemies and farming keys. This isn't fun. It, it is not fun at all. I mean, the original Zombies Ate My Neighbors, the only thing that was actually locked behind locked doors uh, were usually like power-ups or, you know, like weapons or something like that. Not, it was never the actual way through the level. And there's a very good reason for that. It's because it's not very fun when you just lock everything behind a goddamn door. So that was probably one of the biggest, dumbest design decisions in this game was just to make it revolve around those doors and keys so much. When you said, the, you know, if you didn't go the way they wanted you to, but they didn't give you any sign that they want you to go in a direction. No, it's just a big ass fucking you go, you know, where you, you do this over and over so many times that you learn the best way to go. Because that third stage, it took me a good six or seven times yeah. before I figured out the, the best way to get through there where I had keys and didn't have to farm for keys over and over. And, and even worse on there, on, on Zombies Ate My Neighbors, you know, when you get the, the allotted number of, of neighbors, uh, you know, you move on to the next stage and the door you go through to get there, it appears. It's yes. close by on this one. Let me tell you what happened this time. <laughs> I get the last neighbor. And it's up near, it's it's at the very beginning. I missed this guy early on. I'm up at the start. 
I get this neighbor. I don't know where the door is. The door, I'm at the very top. The door is at the very, absolute, very bottom. I have to traverse through this stage all over again, encounter all these enemies all over again to get to this door. And the door's in a fixed position. And, you know, the trouble is you don't know where this fixed position is. You can't strategize where you are going to pick up each one of these neighbors so that, you know, when you get the last guy, you're not having to journey halfway across the level again. And I ran into that so many times. Well, there'll be like a speech bubble. that probably, The only help you get that shows you kind of where people are, what direction they're in, yeah. Yeah. is the speech bubble will pop up from the side of the screen that they're at and then kind of float towards the center of the screen. And the exit will do that, too. But unless you have it, like, in sight to where you can actually see where it's at, you could be going the complete, completely wrong way and get there, and then that fucking exit is on the outside of the wall. And then you have to backtrack all over again to find the correct way to get to that exit. Well, and the exit is not visible until you can use it. So it's yeah, not like there's yeah. a, a closed doorway that says, you know, no leaving till you find all the survivors. There's nothing there. It's like a light portal, like a... A temporal rift or something that takes you to the next level that only appears after you've saved or all the survivors die. I guess that's my other question. I looked. I actually read the manual because I I did not know if this mattered. It doesn't seem to matter whether or not the survivors survive. You can kill them all, uh, or I, I don't even know if the, the monsters are actually capable of killing them. But you, one of the the items you get, turns you into death essentially. Uh. Um, which I, I found to be useful once I realized what it did. If I did come into the situation you just discussed where I've, I've saved the last survivor and all of a sudden I noticed that this exit's nowhere near me, I would use turn into death then and just fly around and kill everything until I found the exit. I, I thought that was the only use for that item. But instead I used it earlier and, uh, and I ran up to, to save a, a person and I, I swiped my sword at them and they died. Or my sword, my scythe at them and they died. And, uh, and I realized, oh, I'm killing survivors. But it didn't seem to affect a damn thing. So I don't know if there's, other than score, which would be fine because it does have a score, is there any real reason to save all the survivors or make sure they don't die? I don't think so. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I, I kind of wanted to try that out myself. But, you know, in the original Zombies Ate My Neighbors, if all of the neighbors die then that's game over for, yeah. for the level. You're done. This one, I, I watched. I even watched a few like long plays, and the optimum way of playing this game is to just let the, uh, the monsters kill the neighbors. And so you just don't have to run to them. So eventually the exit will just pop up after the monsters have killed them. And so I don't know. I, you know, it seems like there's, there's obviously nothing that really happens to you unless... You just don't save any of them, and you get a game over. But I, I never really, I, I can't confirm that one. Yeah, I, I at least you know saved a handful every level. But th this Grim Reaper power up, useful in some spots. Let me tell you when it's not useful. When you need to jump, you cannot jump as the Grim Reaper. And and sometimes I have jumped, and I am in an area uh, where I need to jump to get back where I need to go. And I have popped that power up though to clear out some stuff, and I'm stuck. Uh, you can't jump, you can't, you know, you just have to sit there and wait it out. Well, I think all the power-ups are kind of awful. Uh, you know, the, the, the Grim Reaper one is a red bottle, and the bottle that fills up your health is a red bottle. So <laughs> until I realized the, the difference from using it enough, I just kept, if I was running low on life, I'd pop the red bottle and, oh, goddammit, I'm death again, and then I'd have to run around kill all these monsters and try not to kill the people I'm supposed to be saving. Um, there, 
some of the other potions, I don't know if they did anything good. Uh, there was a green one and a blue one. Sometimes they seemed to hurt me. There was a, a randomizer, which anytime you had a random item and one of them can hurt you, much like in Toe Jam and Earl that we had talked about, I don't know, 20 episodes ago or so, uh, there you just don't use it. You don't use a random item that could accidentally kill you, especially in this game where you only have a small number of lives. And if you die before you get to the next boss level uh, and beat him and get a password, you get to start again at the very beginning of the game, which after you've gotten through some of these levels is not going to happen. You're going to play something else and move <laughs> on with your day. So I, I didn't use the, you know, I used the items the first time through, and then once I realized the difference between the red bottle that, that heals you and the red bottle that turns you into death, that's the only things I used other than keys, which you don't have a choice, uh, as far as the random items you'd pick up. There, there also was a, a handful of guns, um, but I found most of them to be generally pretty use, useless, except for during the boss fights. Did anyone actually think that any of those weapons were that good? No, no, no. I mean, that one of the, one of the things that you could probably say that the original Zombies Ate My Neighbors kind of went overboard with was just the items and the amount of weapons it gives you, to the point where if you don't die for a few levels, you have to cycle through each one of those weapons and items with one button. Uh, in a, you know, if you've got like a dozen or more, it takes a minute to get to that bazooka to blast through a wall or something. Uh, but it, all those weapons and all those power-ups in Zombies Ate My Neighbors were at least fun. You know, even the dumb ones that really didn't do anything, like throwing uh, silverware or plates or something like that, you know, those, it was at least fun. But the stuff that's in this game, the power-ups, even the Grim Reaper one is way less fun than the, the, the purple monster that you turn into in, in the original game. Just everything is, is really boring. There's there's nothing that really you're just like, oh, man, that's that's really neat that they threw that in there. It's kind of, you know, imaginative. It's just like it's standard kind of uh, grenades that lob or, or a laser gun that you've seen in every fucking game in the world. It, it, it just wasn't anything that you were just like that that could charm you at all. Oh, don't forget the most useless uh, homing weapon ever created in a video game. That, unless oh, you, yeah. you, unless it was right in front of you, and therefore you would just use the straight beam, it seemed to fly around everything I needed it to kill. Just totally yeah. useless. Um, <laughs> yeah, just those those five guns, I guess, and then uh, the handful of potions that did random things. I don't even know if are there any other items that were that I'm not thinking of that were at least trying to be interesting. As far as I could tell, it was just potions, death, and guns. Yeah, but I mean that's about it. Yeah, it's. it's Again, it's it's all those things where you can see. Even if you were you had only played zombies a handful of times, and then we're gonna create a game that was like it. I mean, I can see how you decide to streamline down to to a, a smaller level of items to try to make this a little bit faster. But I think that that hurts the game. I think it's made it less interesting completely. I mean, I as far as the items went, I I kind of ignored them unless I was really low on health and desperate. Otherwise, it was just a button, you know, a series of buttons I never used. something else they pretty much you know missed the mark on was uh the music in this game i just mentioned it early on but man zombies ate my neighbors had one of my favorite soundtracks i remember yeah. over 10 years ago jeremy and i looking around on the internet to try to find that and and, and, and i found <laughs> it 
I was so intent on finding it, I found a uh, uh, kind of shady site. I could only get really shitty files. I could only play in Winamp. <laughs> was the only place I could play these things. And I played them anyway, and I played them often. Uh, this game, mm, they've borrowed some sounds, and you know some of the music is, is reminiscent, but just so poor for it to, to be... The suit, you know, kind of the sequel to a game that had such incredible music. Well, I think it's just forgettable. I mean, we've been playing this for yeah. the last two weeks, and I can't, I can't hum one of these songs. Yeah, and, and Zombies Ate My Neighbors, on the other hand, you know, here, you know, twenty years later, I, I would still listen to it anytime. Still, several tracks <clears throat> stuck in my head. Yeah, just like everything else on this game, it's just it's forgettable. It was a. a cash grab i guess which zombies ate my neighbors i don't think was a you know financial success so it seems a, a strange game to to have a cash grab on uh be, and this game just reeks of it just being rushed along uh not really any thought to it not really any soul in this game i think that's it it's just you have the perfect blueprint in zombies ate my neighbors and all you have to do is just copy that I mean, you're you're obviously making a sequel without the name of the game. You've copied just about everything else, but somehow there's just no fun in it. There's no character. There's none of the original charm. Uh, we were kind of reading the the thing before that um, that kind of explained how this game came to be and how it was published, and everyone just kind of was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this game happened." You know, it it, it, it there's. It just seems like it was made by committee. Like it was, it was supposed to be a different game when it first uh, when it first started development, and then someone was like, "All right, I guess this is going to be a Zombies Ate My Neighbors sequel." I don't know. Let's let's just go ahead and do that. I mean, that's that's really all I can think of is how this game has turned out to just be this weird kind of soulless attempt at a Zombies Ate My Neighbors game. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a filler. It's a filler game. It's we don't have much on the schedule. Let's let's throw this together. We have all the parts already laying around. Just you know, throw them up there and see what lands. And that that's what this feels like a hundred percent. I was not as big of a fan of Zombies at My Neighbors. I liked it, but it wasn't a game I can say I it was a staple of my uh, my Super Nintendo time. Uh, you know, I, we've explained many times that I had a Turbo I was the guy with the Turbo Graphics 16. So my 16-bit era experience, as you two will attest to, is probably very sad. So I missed a lot <laughs> of the games everyone else was was big on until way later. Uh, and so I played Zombies. I enjoyed it. I thought of it, uh, it was, as a fun two-player game, like Toe Jam and Earl that we had mentioned uh, that I had mentioned before. But but I was you know this game I came into with a little bit less of a uh, of an expectation and. I don't think I hate it as much as I just got bored by it. I, I just think it was, you know, it's not a, it, it's bad in that it's boring, but it wasn't a bad game necessarily. But it's definitely one that I'm I'm not going to play again soon. Um, I, I don't know if the I didn't play far enough to get to the last set of levels. So you go through uh, the Metropolis is the first area, and then I think it's some kind of like Asian theme for the second set of levels. And there's a pirate ship at some point and. You know, they go through all... There's five different sets of maps with bosses at the end. Are all of the later bosses as equally boring as the first giant robot in Metropolis? Yep. Yeah, so it's it's just fire as much as you can and try to not to get hit, but they don't do anything interesting. They're just shooting at you or, or landing on you or whatever. It's, it it seems like it was... It, it's a lot of, you know, make a game by number. It's not... It, it doesn't seem inventive. It didn't seem like uh, it had that much thought put into anything other than you know we'll make this just good enough it'll be playable yeah the bosses are 
just uniformly terrible. I mean, they're just big Mode 7 sprites stuck on the screen, uh, and they just kind of walk around and shoot stuff at you. And if you have a Grim Reaper potion, this is for every single boss, all the way up to the last boss. You can just uh, pop that Grim Reaper potion and sit there and slice the hell out of them, and you win. Uh, there's, They can do nothing to beat you if you do that. Uh, and it, even if you don't have a Grim Reaper potion, it ain't hard to beat these guys. Yeah, that's that's that was my experience with the uh, the robot. I just I, I fired at him a bunch and he died, and I was like, that's it. That's all there was to it. And <laughs> I didn't even think to use a death potion. That would have made it even better. Yeah, much, much easier. Stand there and swipe at him over and over and over again. That's it. So, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, I, I find this to be kind of a boring game. If you have the interest to play a game like this, I highly recommend Zombies Ate My Neighbors instead. It seems to do everything this game was trying to do uh, much, much better. And actually, on the PlayStation, uh, there was a game that I believe we have a full review of on Retrovania.net uh, for Herx Adventures. It's very similar to this sort of game. It's the same development team, I believe, too. Um, I think a much better game. They, instead of trying to be exactly like Zombies Ate My Neighbors, they did a few of their own uh, spins on it, but it, was, it, it has character, and it has some effort put into it. Much better game. Yeah, that was, if you want a sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, then I think Herx Adventures is as close as you're ever going to get. And that that was a really, really great game. So definitely check that one out instead of uh, what what Ghoul Patrol is trying to do here. Yeah, I mean, and this it's such a disappointment, too, because it's such a great game originally. And usually a good game has a at most a, a decent sequel. Sequels don't always, you know, surpass the original but they, they do a decent job, and, and this one, it doesn't even manage that, and it's just uh, it's just a waste of time. Just skip this one altogether. It's time that could be better spent playing Zombies Ate My Neighbors. So those are our thoughts on Ghoul Patrol, which are not very positive thoughts, but at least they are thoughts. Uh, again, if you want to see more on Zombies Ate My Neighbors and uh, Herx Adventures, which we had mentioned, there are full videos up on Retrovania.net. But I believe we have a listener question this week. We do. Andy writes in to ask, Anyone that was around back in the early days of gaming knows how awful endings and games were back then. Many times it was just a badly translated game over screen and some credits, though some stood out like the Final Fantasy endings. Do you guys have any favorite endings or not-so-favorite endings from that era? I think you have to, to may, maybe clarify a little bit when you say the early days of console gaming, at least. Um, you know, the, the, before the Nintendo and, and the Sega Master System, I'd say all console games didn't really have endings. Or if they did, it was, you know, the fact that it had ending at all was a shock and a surprise. There weren't many old Atari and television games that had, or ColecoVision, any of those systems, that, that had a real ending. You know, a lot of the time it was just you, you broke it because you got the score so high. Or in the case of Indiana Jones or E.T., you'd finish it and not really know what happened because it just stops or makes a sound or whatever and it's over. So once you hit the Nintendo, that's where you start finding endings. So for the first few years of it, if you were into those, those earlier systems, any ending was a delight. So, so minor Nintendo, both my, my favorite and my least favorite. But I'll, I'll just start with favorite. And this may not be a great ending in general, but for some reason, and maybe it's because endings were still kind of a, a novelty, a real ending at this time, the ending to Super Mario Bros. 2, the U.S. Super Mario Bros. 2, is the one that stands out in my mind as the most rewarding 
and uh, and an amazing ending to any game ever. I mean, when you actually boil it down, the ending to Super Mario Brothers Two is Mario was sleeping and it was a dream the whole time. But it still is done in such an amazing way where you you kind of see them take Wart off and they carry carry him across this crowd of people that are all you know clapping for you, and then it shows Mario sleeping and it plays this ridiculous bedtime music that for some reason I will never forget. And uh, I was just, I loved that ending. When I got it, maybe it's because that game also is kind of hard in parts, or, or at least uh, some, of the, some of the levels to get to the bosses are hard. But when I finally beat it, I felt good. I thought that was a, a great, rewarding ending. It was better than The Princess in Another Castle. And, it, you know, certainly Final Fantasy and, and some of the other role-playing games had far longer and more involved endings. But this just felt like, yes, I've done something, and I get this cool little little story at the end. I think that was the perfect way for them to play that game off as to, yeah. you know, just for how different it was. Um, yeah, that was crazy. That that first time you saw it, I mean, for us back then, you know, when we first played Super Mario Brothers 2, we were just like, why is this game so weird? You know, we didn't know that it was a completely different game from Japan that had been made into Mario Brothers 2 here. So the whole way through, we were just like, this is, this is really weird. It just doesn't seem like Mario besides Mario characters. And then you get that ending and you're just like, oh, my fuck, it's a dream. He was having a dream the entire that's genius. You know, it was the most amazing thing you'd ever seen back when you were a kid playing a Nintendo game. So, yeah, that, that's a really great ending. So what was your favorite ending, Jeremy? Oh, favorite ending, I would have to say, is um, Act Razor for the Super Nintendo. And that was a great game anyway. Again, we just reviewed that. So check out uh, Retrovania on YouTube if you want to check out that video and review. Uh, but at the very end of that game, you uh, you get this amazing ending where you beat the last boss, and then it takes you around to every single village that you had helped up to that point. If you don't know, you're actually playing as God, and you have saved all of these villages by going through and helping them, rebuilding their villages, uh, you know, killing the monsters that, that were killing them. You basically made a decent society again. You made the world great again. So... At the end, it takes you around all these little things, and they're like, hey, you know, we've this is how things are now, and everything's so much better. And it really makes you feel like you accomplished something throughout playing that entire game, and to have it just come full circle like that. And then at the very, very end, uh, it does this thing where it, time continues to go on, and the villagers actually forget you. They actually forget the things that you have done for them, and you basically just turn into a statue because you're forgotten now. So I thought that was one of the most mature endings that I'd ever seen in a video game. And I think I think mine uh, was was from the NES, and it was it was Ninja Gaiden Two, uh, which which was one of the first games I played. Probably the first game I played that was really heavy on the cutscenes, like pretty long cutscenes, and there was a lot of story in this game. And I just remember the the ending so satisfying. Yeah, I mean it's a long ending for the time we're talking about you know about five minutes worth of ending where you know you see the 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 final boss kind of uh vanish uh his his the evil sword he was using is destroyed you watch the the tower he was in crumble uh and for some bizarre turn i recall your sword turns into a beam of light that brings your your uh, girlfriend back to life and then you watch a sunrise game over but it was just it was so unique at the time to see that long ending like that and a long, you know, cinematic ending. Uh, it wasn't just words going across the screen. It wasn't just a series of, of still pictures. And that one still, 
uh, sticks with me to this day. Well, and you beat a Ninja Gaiden game, which is incredible. I mean, those yeah. are those are tough games on the Nintendo. Super yeah, that's tough. the uh, that's the only one I could get through. Well, least favorite games. I mean, there's there's millions of games that had bad endings. I mean, like uh, like the question said, it was a lot of time it was just a screen that said, you know, hey, you've beaten the game. Hooray for you. So both of mine actually meet that requirement, but it's not just that that's the ending, because I can deal with that. That's, you know, especially for the NES era, that's kind of how it works. But the if a game is is just tedious or is just awful to play and you, you beat it because you think you're going to have some kind of reward and all you get at the end is is congratulations, that's when it would drive me insane. Not the fact that it was congratulations, but that I would have gone through this extra level of pain to get to that. So I have two, but they have the same problem. One is Rampage on the Nintendo. Now, <laughs> Rampage was super fun in the arcade. Rampage was... A, all I remember of, of, of Rampage, because we'd go to, to Bush Gardens, and my brothers and I would play Rampage. You could play three players, and you're just, you know, you're just giant monsters destroying the city. How, how is that not fun? And it was fun. But on Nintendo, you're playing it. It's still fun. But you'll get through about ten levels, which in the arcade would have been, you know, a mind-blowingly good game. Uh, because of the, you know, arcade, if you play for two minutes, that's a good run. But you get through ten levels of this, and you've played for 20 minutes or so, and you're like, all right, this is fun. I wonder how many more levels there are. There are 128 levels that never change. It doesn't really get any harder. I mean, they throw more monsters or more um, tanks and things at you, but it doesn't change. It's just more of the same over and over and over again. And and you can continue indefinitely because it's a Nintendo game that lets you do that. It was, uh, you know, my brother and I stayed up. You can also only play two-player on the Nintendo version instead of three. So one of my brothers and I stayed up uh, on, on, like, a Friday night late and left the Nintendo on all night, got up Saturday, played all day Saturday. We got through 128 levels. We were so excited because you get to... You, you're you're seeing the map of the United States go away state by state as you go through all these levels, and you finally get to California, and you you take the last level of California. California goes away on the map, and it says congratulations, and then credits come up, and it goes back to the start screen, and it was not. I mean, again, I didn't expect anything incredible, but even if it was just like, and you no longer are a monster because they find a potion, or you're you're a monster forever and you've taken over the country, it would a sentence would have made me happier than just congratulations, <laughs> just congratulations by itself with an exclamation point. That is what you earn for 128 levels of rampage. The other game that's very similar to that, but slightly better, uh, in that at least you got to see a character dance, is um, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle for the Game Boy. Uh, 80 levels of Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle and, and that game if you hadn't played it you basically just try to avoid the other Looney Tunes characters while collecting carrots in these tube mazes and uh, and I got through 80 levels of that uh, and it's an old Game Boy game too so it was it's not a very good game and at the end it then says not just congratulations because that would at least you know that would be the same thing I just dealt with instead it says congratulations you are a good player and then it gives you credits in the start screen both those games, it wasn't a matter that the screen was bad at the end. I expected, you know, I do expect a poor ending, but it's just the amount of tedium to get to that to then just be like, oh, I don't even get to see, like, Bugs Bunny had a party with his friends. No, it just says that, congratulations, I am good player. The end. Just infuriating. Oh, uh, well, I, I think I have a more general, I have an example, but this is more in general. My biggest pet peeve with bad endings are games that you beat them once and it wants you to beat them oh. all over again, all over again for the true and the quote unquote true ending. And I think one of my, um, uh, the worst that I remember is, uh, 
oh what the hell was it ghost ghosts and yes. goblins for the hands NES. down <laughs> hands down um that one not only is it the biggest bastard to beat you've ever fucking seen in the first place uh but you get there and it tells you um basically just play the game again to figure out the end to get the real ending and you do it all over if you are insane you do it all over again and you get there and you get congratulation this story is happy end thank you that and it's is... the same boss it's not like you get to the end and there's another like super boss no sir no. same exact game two times through yep just same thing it just made you play the game again to get a few extra wor- you know you would think as a kid we had strange expectations uh, unrealistic expectations for nes games let's say we didn't know that they were limited by the amount of memory so a lot of these developers didn't put in uh, elaborate endings or you know they just were small teams they didn't give a shit that there was an ending in the game they were happy that there was a game on the shelf for dumb kids to buy but when a game tells you you need to beat this game again go all through that shit you just did to get the real ending we would generally think that we were about to get the most fucking amazing ending to a video game you'd ever seen and so that's kind of what pushed me to go through that game again all through it same fucking bullshit and to get just a screen that it just had a few extra lines of text on it. That was it. I, I think that was uh, my first big disillusionment with video games back then to where I was just like, I shouldn't do this anymore. I've spent too much of my time beating this game again just to get this. And when you're an eight-year-old kid realizing that, you know something bad has, has happened to you. So I, I really, really hate when that happens. Jeremy's pretty much got mine. It's not the... It's not so much the one where you you know you just get the one screen because I think I got so used to that, but it's when they send you through again with the promise that there, there's something better. Uh, and I've I've got an example is Kung Fu <laughs> for the <laughs> Kung Fu for the NES, which uh, is a perfectly fine game. Uh, it's short. It can it can be short. I mean, if you if you played through several times, you can breeze through. Uh, you beat the last guy and. You are told, you know, pretty much you have to go through this thing again uh, to get the real ending. You go through again, and I think you get... Uh, it's similar to what Jeremy was talking about. You get maybe one more line of text. Just one more line. And then it immediately starts you over again. And and, and this just... Uh, it confused me as a kid. I didn't know if I'd get more and more every time I played through or not. Uh, and I could never get through on that, that third playthrough. I always, you know, ran out of time, uh, lost interest... Or whatever. Later on, I would do that, and it completely starts over the third time, and you get that original first ending. Uh, but it, it's very confusing, and it's just—it's not worth it. And a lot of games did that. They send you through that second set of levels with the promise that there was going to be something, something amazing at the end, at least a different graphic, not just one more line. Uh, but I'll tell you what ending really angered me, and I, I don't hear a lot of people complain about this ending, but that original. Super Mario Brothers. I, I just I don't care for that ending. I think it's not the ending is not proportionate to the work you put in. You know, I mean, you get pretty much the same setting except you swapped out one sprite. You know, you got rid of the the of Toad and you put the princess there instead. That's it. I think a game of that scale and a game where they spent so much time building up, you know, that got to go to the next castle to, to you know rescue the princess. And and then when she's there, she's you know, she's just there. I, I just think that game just needed 
or deserved at least a, a, a bigger ending, as, as big as they could pull off on the NES. Well, you say that about the original Mario Brothers. How about that Super Mario 3 ending? Did any of you ever get that when anybody beat Super Mario Brothers 3 here? Yeah, I beat Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember the ending. I just remember <laughs> it was just another Nintendo game with an ending. I don't. You save the. You go through that entire game, you save the princess, and she's there, and she says, Thank you, but our princess is in another castle. Ha, just kidding. Oh, yeah, Ha-ha. yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs> That's why I don't remember. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was uh, awful. But. But again, both those games, the original Mario Brothers and, and Mario 3, are, are such good games. I didn't care that the ending wasn't that good, necessarily, because I just enjoyed yeah. seeing everything. But but I can see, that, you know, Kung Fu especially, that that's a... I, I'd have to blame it on that those early Nintendo games are, are basically arcade ports. So you don't want to put out a game that's that could be over in 15 minutes if you know what you're doing and say, that's it, there's the end of the game. So it just kind of restarts, so you can just work on score, I guess. But it is, it is a... Yeah, those games where it's like, well, beat it on hard to see the extra ending or whatever. That's that's infuriating. That might be the worst possible ending. Being told yeah, you're not are, good enough. You're not good enough for the real ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week we'll mark our one-year anniversary of doing this show. Uh, ah. 25 episodes because we've skipped a week here and there uh, to three weeks in between a couple of the episodes. So for episode 25, yeah. we wanted to do something special. Uh, pick a game that we, we probably will enjoy, uh, but also a game that, that might be a little out of our normal... Uh, no, normal wheelhouse for length. And uh, so we're going to do Banjo-Kazooie for the Nintendo 64, uh, the original. I'm looking forward to it. It's one of those games I, I actually skipped playing on. Uh, the only Banjo-Kazooie game I've put any time into up to this point is the one for the 360 where you build cars. So this is definitely a different game. Uh, I always thought it was a, a fake Mario, but but the little bit I've played already shows that I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. So. Oh, it's a, it's an, From what I recall, I haven't played it in quite a while. It's It's... An outstanding game. I, I you know, I, surely it's held up. I'm about certain, but I've got to, I got to get something off my chest. I got a dark secret that I've been holding. I, I I'm gl- almost glad we uh, didn't fully do the "What have you been playing?" segment at the beginning. But I've got. I've never played out. a video game. <laughs> what? <I've, laughs> None of us. God, have. I, We've I never. Watched, I've just read. I just watch YouTube's and talk about. We this. watch I've a lot it. of YouTube videos. But no, I, I've got to get this out of the way before it comes up next week and it ruins the anniversary episode because I don't know your reaction. I bought and I've been playing that Dark Souls three. Oh, uh, well, I've been, it's been I've fun been, talking to you guys. See you later. <laughs> Billy again.